Welcome to DVM Divas Beyond the Stethoscope. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because let's face it, right now, our world is a little bit different. We decided to open up our Zoom chat to any of our friends and listeners that wanted to hop on and just say hello and have a conversation in this COVID world. So that's what you're going to hear today is just bits and pieces of that conversation. It really had no set structure. It had no outline. It was just us chatting about the things going on in our lives right now. Some of the voices you're going to hear besides myself, Maria, and Anne are once again, our very good friend, Dr. Lindsay Bailey, and some special guests that joined us, Dr. Gary Marshall, Dr. Tanisha Crocker, and Dr. Samantha Cabender. So it was a lot of fun getting to visit with everybody, and we hope that you enjoy pieces of this conversation. So uh, let's start, Gary. Why don't you introduce yourself, where you're from, where you practice, what your favorite hobbies are? Oh, gosh. No, I'm Um, I'm kidding. (laughs) So really quickly, I'm a feline practitioner. I have had a feline practice since 1996 and still do. Um, Three doctors. For about 20 years, I was a solo practitioner. And as if any of you guys have been solo practitioners, you know, that's pretty isolating and lonely as far as professionally. And so about five years ago, when I started hiring some associates, and I got invited to do some stuff on our state VMA, and also on a national level at the AVMF on their board. I don't know why, but I did, and I I'm not very good at saying no, so I said yes. And there's been a lot of a lot of imposter syndrome associated uh. with those types of roles because everybody in those rooms had been doing advocacy, and especially on the AVMA side, uh, working with that for like 30 years when I've had zero years. So I looked like them because I'm an old white guy, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't have any of their experience or, or any of their frame of reference. But I had a different frame of reference, and I'm not I don't have any filters. So I'm not afraid to share it. Sometimes that goes over well, sometimes it doesn't. And so now I'm our state VMA president. I'm also adjunct faculty for WSU, go Cougs. And uh, so I have a lot of students come through. And because of that, um, I've just really been in tune with mainly 90% of them are women, uh, issues that are unique to female students coming through the clinic. And so I like to support uh, DVM Divas and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of here to support you guys. I'm not here for any agenda. (laughs) But you do have a bit of a presence online. I mean, you kind of go ahead and share what you, you know, you've got your cat class and you've got your stuff like that. I mean, we're, we're here to support everybody and anybody who's got anything else going, we want to hear about it. Well, if, um, I know Ann knows about it, but if the others don't know about cat class, uh, I guess it's just been a week and a half, maybe closer to two weeks when the preceptor that was supposed to start this upcoming week, I told her it's not going to happen because in Pullman, there's zero cases. It's very rural. And in Seattle, we have, it's not good. So I did not, I didn't think it would be safe for her. And so I canceled her before the school shut down the preceptor stuff. And I told the school, it's a class. If you're canceling all your classes, you should probably cancel those too. And they ended up doing that. I don't know if they were linked or not. I felt bad that she wasn't going to get the content that she was going to get from coming to my clinic for cats. And so I, we talked about ways that we could just do a 
phone time or FaceTime or something to go over some cases, some different syndromes, that kind of stuff that are unique to cats that she wouldn't get in vet school. And uh, then we started talking about, well, now all her senior students, they were all kind of shut down and they were all out of stuff. So I was like, well, let them know. And I told the school we were going to do it. And they got word out to the senior class and some other schools heard about it. And as of yesterday, we had students from over 15 countries on five continents. And I mean, just from something I was trying to do for one student kind of blew up. And it's not totally not me. It's getting these other people involved. So I asked a couple people, but other people said, hey, can I help out too? And so it's just been I was really stressed about finding content for a couple of weeks, <laughs> but um, everybody's just been helping out. It's been fantastic. Speaking of camaraderie. <laughs> she must have heard me talking about her. <laughs> her ears were tingling. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Tanasia, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Sorry, I have a kids. I was trying oh. to get semi ready for bed. So we're used to that. Pop on for a minute. Yeah. My favorite people. I was so Yay. excited you were doing that. Yeah. We were just actually talking about how uh, Gary was saying that when he started doing his cat class here in the last couple of weeks, how it's just been such a supportive team that's been helping him. And, you know, when you reach out and, you know, the comment I made is what we've been finding on our journey is that if you knock on a door, they readily open and people will welcome you in. And we think that's just amazing. And we love it. And and we get to do stuff like this and we get to, I've met so many people, I mean, virtually so for the most part, yeah. but well, who knows how long it's, we may never get to meet in real life now. I don't know. This may be it. Don't say that. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. It's going to get better. It will. It will get better. That's why I always uh, tell students, like, just ask. Yes. Like, you know, like, don't be scared to ask. Cause I feel like people are really open, but people just don't think about connecting the way we have. And, but when you put yourself out there, I mean, there's a ton of people looking to do it. So I want them to not be afraid. Yes, yes. So our original goal for tonight was just to kind of, we'll just chat and just kind of hang out. Um, If we had any framework at all, it was going to maybe share either a win, a fail, or a hack from being quarantined um, or just having to shelter at home, whether it's home life or clinic life or anything that you're dealing with right now. And then once we kind of go through that, we thought maybe we would each, if we can, share something we are grateful for that we've learned over these last few weeks that maybe we were surprised and didn't expect in this world of pandemic. So that's kind of where I thought maybe we would just kind of open up with. And I have a when. Yay. Let's hear it. (laughs) I have not gotten sick yet. (laughs) (laughs) Next week I'll be sick again. (laughs) The last time you said that. I couldn't record. (laughs) Did you guys already talk about like who is still working and who isn't? Not yet. Not not yet. yet. I think I'm still working. I'm still working. (laughs) I'm still working. Mm, Yeah. Are you guys having anything done um, like curbside or not seeing the clients, stuff like that? Yeah, we're all curbside in my general practice and at the ER, I really fat um, and not even people with euthanasias are allowed in the building. Um, So it's been like super strict, which actually people have handled surprisingly way better than you think they would. So euthanasia is the only thing we're allowing people in for because it's just we probably shouldn't, but it's just too hard otherwise. Yeah. 
I had to do euthanasia. So I'm in corporate, so we don't have our own entrance. And I've had to do euthanasia and we've had to do it in the room. And I mean, I just use multiple extension sets and bring in more flush than needed. Um, but we're not, I'm not meeting with clients. I'm not talking on the phone with them or I'm sending the tech up with a message because I'm like, if I get sick, the hospital shut down. Mm-hmm. No, so and I feel bad, but I literally only have two texts left from my whole staff there. Oh, Nobody wow. else will come to work. Mm. <laughs> wow. And I don't blame them. I mean, like people, a lot of them have health conditions that puts them at high risk, but people here aren't respecting anything. The stores are completely packed that are open. People are just browsing, doing whatever they want. They're not like respecting social distancing. So I don't blame them, honestly. And you and Sam, you guys came up with a really awesome plan for your (laughs) practice. I was really impressed that I mean, it sounded. I don't take credit for that. No, it's all Sam. <laughs> Sam, you guys came up with a you came up with a very awesome plan. Yeah. So we, um, I don't know, like we're kind of like riding the line between like it's still pretty normal to it's kind of a surreal environment that we're living in. So for the month of April, we've divided our staff in half to like a team A and a team B. So if one person does come into contact or does get sick on one of the individual teams, then that team would basically go down, but the other half of the team could still be available to practice at the hospital. We've met with all of our staff kind of on an individual basis, and it seems like everybody's still pretty willing to work. Nobody wants to, nobody feels like they want to stay home at this point, which is good. So what we're going to do is just have essentially two doctor days, which is really a big change for us because we're typically a four doctor day practice. So one doctor is in surgeries, two doctors are on appointments and one doctor's on urgent care. So same day appointments. So it's going to be a pretty big flip for us to cut down to just two doctors. We've removed all kind of like non-essential surgery. So we're not doing stays and neuters, routine dentals, anything that can kind of get pushed out. We're going to try to push out. And then we're also not doing routine wellnesses, senior visits, toenail trims, avian grooms. We are an exotic clinic too. So we kind of push that stuff back for now to make way for more sick appointments or pressing appointments. And then I think the staff's been pretty on board with it. I think everyone's a little stressed out about finances, as you can imagine. So trying to keep that balance of keeping everybody safe, but also trying to have people maintain a normal budget and balance for home has been a thing that our leadership team's been striving for. Annie has totally helped out. We're trying to get telemedicine launched to have some vets get some extra hours. So COVID, I guess that could be a win for us. <laughs> COVID <laughs> opened the doorway for telemed for IVH. So we'll take it. <laughs> um, so we're going to try to get that up and launched. And then um, a lot of the technicians can still do some stuff from home, like answering phones, refilling prescriptions, answering questions. So we're just trying to keep everything kind of as is. But so far, I think everyone's still been staying pretty positive and pretty smart. We still are letting clients in the building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will say I encourage them to stay in their car. (laughs) I know. I don't like make them stay in their car. Mm-hmm. It's tough because my partner, he's, he's funny. Like I think at the beginning he was like, everyone needs to not panic. This is going to be fine. We're going to ride this out. I've been through this before. And then his wife's a teacher. So I think she's been cooped up at home. And so it read some things and now he's kind of like, all right, we should be doing more of our part. We need to be kind of <laughs> So we're trying to ride that fine line. And he's pretty people oriented. We were an open hospitals. He likes to call 
it so clients can be as much involved with anything they want to be as much as they want to be. So they can come suit up for surgery and kind of come watch. They can be a part of C-sections. They can watch a laceration repair. I mean, the clients are pretty much a part of our community. So I think he doesn't want to close that out just quite yet, but they are waiting in their cars so we can get them directly into, into a room, excuse me. And then a technician's assigned to our room. They're cleaning the room. There's usually like a 15 to 30 minute gap between another client going in. So we're trying really hard to keep up with sanitation and cleaning things and stuff too. I have to say one thing. I think it's absolutely amazing that you guys have gotten on top of it sooner than later. Cause I know in Jersey and New York, like I feel like a lot of places, I don't know if they maybe didn't think it was going to be such big of a thing here. And, um, I feel like a lot of practices were later to the game, maybe. So I want to commend you for jumping (laughs) on board and making sure your staff is safe and still being able to be there for everyone and all your clients. Yeah, it's been, I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's a hundred percent my partner too. He's been awesome. He's kind of seasoned and weathered through some more things than I have, but it's been definitely been a really nice collaborative effort. I think we've got a pretty awesome team right now, which I'm, (laughs) I always tell Annie this. I'm like, if I could just freeze time and nobody has to leave or come back on like this would be perfect because <laughs> I just don't want anything to change I'm totally a cat in that respect like I just like my routine and things to stay normal but I think it's been a really good we kind of took the mentality of an all for one one for all and just trying to take care of everybody and do do our jobs which I think we're lucky that we still get to do go to our job mm-hmm. and also just trying to like I said keep everyone keep the business keep the staff keep the clients safe and healthy I think one thing of uh, kind of a word of warning, even though I've been away from the clinic for two and a half weeks, as far as staying really kind of in tune with my colleagues. And I think Tanasia has posted about this recently too, because we've been doing curbside for, for over a week now. Um, and nobody's coming in and keeping all elective stuff out, no surgeries and stuff. And what my associates are finding is that they're just drained because everything that coming that comes in is a major comorbidity they should have been in a month ago, and they're finally sick enough to come in. And um, without those kittens and and the routine things in between. Yeah they are wasted. Mm-hmm. And so just warn your staff about that, that it's going to be draining on them yeah. um, as you start doing more of that. No, I appreciate that because I think Annie can attest to it. We worked together on Friday and I think that was kind of the first day that we pulled out some of our wellnesses. And I think it kicked our staff's booty because everything required a huge work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Annie, like, I think, like- is running a special on the oxygen cage for the last week. So. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. We're trying to, I was talking to Annie about that too, trying to see or even Kate, one of our office managers about maybe putting in some catch up or diagnostic blocks in our schedule, trying to have some time to be able to take a breath, recoup and keep trying to trudging along. I feel like they're either really sick with bad comorbidities or they finally decided that it's time to put them down. Oh, like, no. Right? <laughs> it's just like you're saying, Gary, like it's all one end of the spectrum. I know, mm-hmm. Tanisha, you had mentioned it too. So. Yeah, I was joking that uh, I've been hospitalizing old cats like crazy. Like I'm thankful for Dr. Marshall's cat class right now because it's like all these people are home with their cats and they're finally seeing Mm -hmm. the issues and like seeing them every day. And then they all want me to save them. And so I've been like, what do I do? So we've had just like this line of cats hospitalized that I haven't seen in like three years. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has, we actually added, we're appointment only no walk-in. And so had to add like extra breaks in our day because it was taking 
taking more time to talk to clients on the phone because we're mm-hmm. curbside only now and think everything just takes more time and longer workup. So we're still actually making a decent amount of money, even though we're adding, mm-hmm. we gave ourselves like extra breaks, but yeah, he's right. It's the way we practice this change dramatically. We are FaceTiming people though. And I will tell you that makes a huge difference a good to have idea. an iPad. It's like a clinic email we do it from and we can show them x-rays. We can show them blood work. We can, you know, and talk to them face to face and we know most of them. Mm -hmm. So that has helped dramatically, I feel like with compliance, but we're still hopping. It's just all sick ones. (laughs) Being in an area like a rural area and in a clinic that's completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, we're not doing curbside. Everyone's still coming into the clinic. We're business as usual. It's just completely different. We get, you know, everybody, we have the self-quarantine here as well, but like you said, the owners are at home just staring at their animals and they're just walking in and then they're looking at us like, oh, I got to stay six feet away from that person that's on the other side of the waiting room. I'm like, well, you guys are coming in at your own risk. I'm sorry. (laughs) We are business as usual. We don't have any texts. I mean, it's just me and my boss and a receptionist and that's it. So we can't really do compliance because it would be the doctors going in and out constantly. And so we don't have any texts or anything to go out and do that. And we're every 15 minutes an appointment. Yeah, it's completely opposite. I just, I hear, you know, and I follow mom's Facebook page and everyone that's like curbside, curbside, curbside. I'm like, yeah, that's not possible for us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just not going to happen. And so my husband is at home. He, he's able to work from home and stay with our girls, but I'm the one that's going to bring it home. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to work every day yeah. and then coming home. And that's what I think about, too, is because sometimes I wish I wasn't an essential business or an essential role because I don't know about you guys, but I get a little resentful of all my friends and, and colleagues and people who do get to go home. And I know that's maybe grass is always greener kind of thing because I am definitely very, very grateful to be open and to have an income and be able to provide income to my employees. But all these posts that are out there of just stay home and cuddle with your kids and do all these fun projects and everybody's talking about all the awesome stuff they're getting done at home and all the, re, you know, redecorating and they're learning how to paint watercolors and they're doing all these amazing things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working and I, I'm working and, and we have all these extra challenges in our work day that we never had to face before. And then I do think about, all right, am I going to be the one or my husband and I both, cause we both practice, you know, we're the ones that are going to bring it home. If anybody does. Yeah. It's just it's a weird time. That's for sure. Are yeah. any of you in communities where they're starting to talk about recruiting veterinary professionals to help? with the human cases. I've heard maybe New York City and, and places like that, that they are because they, they're they so exhausted and the human, you know, the respiratory therapist and the nurses and all, you know, everybody who is having to be on the front lines are so exhausted that they are starting to have some conversations with some of the vet schools and some of those places about recruiting veterinary professionals and to help. Have you guys had any anything like that yet? There was yeah, something my, circulating in Jersey. My boss graduated in the 1990s, and apparently the state of Illinois came around and asked them at that time that if something like this were to happen, if they would volunteer. And he thought it was mandatory to sign up, so he signed up. Oh, and he, he actually got like a letter about it uh, this week, something like that, saying that if something were to happen, he's going to get called in, and he, they get to keep him for 30 days and put him anywhere in Illinois that they want to put him. And so then I'll be manning the clinic all by myself for 30 days. Wow. <laughs> 
We, we've had some of those documents <laughs> come across in Washington, but so far it, it hasn't been something where we've been forced to or uh, strictly recruited or anything like that. But that's part of the you know healthcare workers that are going to be uh, enlisted or re, uh, requested to come help, and veterinarians are on the list in Washington. Have your guys' hospitals or clinics been donating any supplies or equipment to the human hospitals? We've donated everything that that was unopened um, to our local children's hospital because we figure that we don't need it today because we're decreasing all our stuff. We might need it tomorrow and we'll worry about it tomorrow, but they need it today. So we've mm-hmm. we've taken everything that we had. I mean, we're just a one a small cat clinic, so we don't have boxes and boxes, but we've taken everything that we had um, available. We use mainly like reusable gowns and caps and all those things. Um, and we don't use shoe covers. So we really didn't feel like we had that much. And Texas is still like, I have a really good friend who's an ER doctor locally and she's like, we're prepared and we're ready, but like, it's not crazy yet. Yeah. You know, she's like, we're, we're kind of like holding our breath waiting for mm-hmm. another shoe to drop. Cause we know how bad it is in other areas, but Um, You know, I've kind of kept in contact with her to be like, do you need anything? Do you want anything? I have five N95 masks sitting in my um, car to give her. And like, we haven't connected yet because she's like, no, we're okay right now. So I think it definitely depends on your location a Mm -hmm. little bit, like how severe the need is right now. But then I hear stories, you know, like Dr. Lauren Smith, she actually thinks she had it and she went to like a pop-up tent Mm -hmm. where she lives up North. And I mean, like her story is crazy about what they're doing up there to try to triage people and stuff. But I think it's just slowly Mm -hmm. making its way this way. We have tons of positives, but so far the hospitals haven't been like inundated. That's how Kansas is too. And maybe hopefully we're learning from everybody else's experiences and, and trying to be more prepared than I'm hoping we'll, we will need to be. But we have been ordering in our allocations of masks and things from distributors because you can still get some masks from distributors, like veterinary distributors. And our local hospital has not been able to get any from there. So they came to us and said, hey, can you guys order us anything? And we said, well, let's look and see. And so basically whatever masks, that that's what they want right now, whatever we can get, we order and we just, they're buying it from us at this point. How many weeks into this are you guys? Well, that was probably going to be my fail is uh, leaving for New York when we knew that stuff was being bad here. And so now that means I'm, I'm away from my clinic for three weeks because of time there and then time on quarantine. So I would say probably like the end of the first week of March. So going on three weeks now that, that mm-hmm. things have been changing. We've been a little over a week in changing definitely the way we let people in. But even before that, we were concerned and some staff was wanting to stay away because they were worried about getting sick. We had staff that we were worried about because they ride public transit and we were trying to find alternate ways for them to commute. You know, we probably did more normal stuff longer than we, we should have, but nobody really knew. The last week's really been been big everywhere, but it's probably been a couple of weeks that we've been uh, scared to some degree. So what, are they starting to talk about like when you will go back to like life as normal? Or is this something that like even in Washington with you guys, it no, still hold your pattern? Trump says April 12th, right? <laughs> Oh, science? You mean science? What? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what do I know? But I'm kind of taking it month by month and kind of just telling myself that nothing's going to change through the end of April and waiting till middle of April till we figure out 
what that looks like for May and that kind of stuff. I don't see anything that's going to change it then, but I'm I'm certainly hoping that we can go about a lot more normal stuff during the summer. So much stuff has been canceled. And, and I, th- I do think in the upside, I think there's going to be a huge rebound in all our practices mm-hmm. when people are finally able to go out and do stuff and get caught back up on all the reminders and those types of things that I think it's going to be hard for us to manage everybody that wants to get in. I will say uh, when we were talking about like wins or different things, I had a staff drama before all this. And I feel like this has like made my staff come together and kind of be like, okay, we got to like tackle this and we got to deal with it. And we have a couple people staying home because of health issues, but mainly we have like young people who don't have kids. Um, I'm like the one, the only one with kids that has to deal with that, but it's actually really brought us together. And then we've been focusing on trying to go more electronic. So we're calling every single client uh, that we have uh, charts for. And we're saying like, we want to update our electronic emails and all our stuff because we're trying to, you know, give you up to date, you know, information about what our clinic is doing. And we have like increased our, I don't know, like online presence and email Mm -hmm. list and all that dramatically. And it's been really good. And we, and then people are like, oh yeah, and I need my heartworm prevention and I need this. And so, or I need to, you know, book an app. It's like reminded them about us, you know? Yeah. Um, so we're trying to keep our staff busy with other things. And we've actually found some creative ways to do that, that I think like Dr. Marger said, will benefit our practice in the future by focusing on these things now and like, you know, making it where we can just take off again once things are open. Um, but we also had a clinic locally who shut down because one of the doctors tested positive and the CDC said, you're shut down mm. and we'll tell you when you can go back to work. So that is one of our main reasons we went curbside because we're like, if we, you know, test positive, like that's it. Like we can't help anybody. So right. um, that's been a good motivator for us um, because that was pretty slap in the face because we haven't seen that many positives. And then all of a sudden it was like clinic down the road, everything shut down and we're like, okay, <laughs> like we should take this more seriously. So that's just ideas of things y'all could be, everyone else might already be electronic, but we still have some old school stuff going on. So <laughs> I did text all of the team. Luckily, we're, we're small. We only have four full-time team members. And so I did text everybody individually and say, I need to know, do you want to continue working the same as normal? Um, if you at any point feel uncomfortable as far as your transmission or risk, I mean, we need to know. You know, they've said, no, we want to work as much as we can for as long as we can. And so I'm thankful that they have that drive to do that. But I still feel like it comes from leadership to be able to say, I understand that you want to work and I understand that you are young and feel invincible, but we do need to look at what our role is one at keeping the whole practice healthy so that like you said, we don't get completely shut down if that happens. And two, what our role is in bringing the public to our buildings. If they get a reminder for an appointment coming up next week, that fluffy is due for a distemper vaccination, a heartworm test and a nail trim. And it's a little lady who has COPD. She doesn't need to come and do that. And we should not play a role in bringing her out of the house. You know, if she, feels like that has to be done next week. We play a role in saying that can wait and we are going to move your appointment for a month from now or whenever. It's not just myself and my staff that I'm concerned with getting sick. I don't want to be responsible for bringing people out of their homes when they shouldn't be coming out of their homes. And so that's one of the things that I want our practice to kind of talk about. We do owe it to those in our community to be responsible. 
I agree, Melissa. And that's one of the things that I feel really lucky. Sam and our leadership team have done a wonderful job of, I feel like I was given the ability to talk to clients and, you know, I have a few that I know are immunocompromised. They're on, you know, chemo treatments, whatever. And so it was really nice to be able to call them and say, look, let's just talk about this over the phone. I'm going to cancel your appointment tomorrow. And if in two more weeks, I need to see the dog, we will have your husband bring it in. Maybe we can just video chat. Um, Maybe you could find a piece of clear tape and stick it on your dog and have your husband bring me the tape. (laughs) We're trying to come like shout out to the derm vet, but nice cytologies. But like, I mean, there's so many different ways and I really appreciate Sam and the leadership team because I felt like I was given that opportunity kind of from the beginning like okay you know your clients you know your patients you know your cases let's do best for everybody I feel lucky that we can do that but it's getting us really creative I'm super (laughs) excited for our telemedicine stuff I think curious long into the future but I think it's funny that the whole world has discovered Zoom all of a sudden. They're like, there's this thing, it's called Zoom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did it last night with a group of my <laughs> friends and about half of them had never done it before. We did our 4-H meeting on Zoom. One of my daughters. I'm going to have to take off you guys. Oh, oh Gary, oh, thank, thank, thank so you so much for Gary. joining. I appreciate you yeah. coming on. Thanks, okay. Gary. See, Thanks for joining thank us. You. <laughs> you bet. See you guys. That reminds me of a, a win, him making dinner. I got an air fryer for my birthday. Oh my God, it's been a godsend. Like you just throw French fries or chicken fingers or corn dogs or something in there, <laughs> toasted ravioli, and like within 10, 15 minutes, you don't have to heat up the whole oven. It's like awesome. <laughs> I do feel like that's one thing that has maybe been one of the things I'm grateful for with all of this is that our expectations have come way down <laughs> here as far as caring for our family, all of those hacks and those types of things. And does anybody else think it's really hilarious that um, schools have been deemed non-essential, but liquor stores are? Dude, you know what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we homeschool. Come on. Like, I agree. So one fun thing that we did, our, our small town did a cruise night last night. All the families, we all hopped in our vehicles and we cruised Main Street. I did not go to high school here in Kansas, but that was a thing was that everybody was in high school. They just drove around and around and Friday night at each other. Yeah. Friday night. It was, it was awesome. All so like the whole town came out and we're all just driving around and the kids are honking and they're waving at each other. It was a lot of fun. And as we were coming home, I don't know how we got on the topic of homeschool, but somehow we did. And my son asked, so when people homeschool, who does the teaching? And I said, the parents do the teaching. I just kind of looked at me and he went, Oh, it just sunk into him that, Oh, you mean you? When we were dating, because I was going to be an equine vet and I'm like, you know, I'll be working a lot. So it'd be great if you could just be stay at home dad. And my husband was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like this was our plan, right? Well, now he is staying at home because he can and I'm working and he's like, what was I thinking? Like <laughs> I could never do this all the time. I was crazy to think. He's like, they talk all the time. Yeah. Poor Shane. (laughs) He's doing so good. But I mean, it is, it's a lot. So I'm about to have a little more time off. All right. I got to go. I got to help get somebody in bed. But we'll see y'all later. Thanks for hopping on, Tanisha. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm going to get my little one to bed too. So thank you guys. This has been really fun. And I appreciate all the insight. You're amazing. And this has been great. So thank you. Thanks, Thank Sam. you. Thanks. All right. Good night. I thought it was, I don't know if funny is the right word, but um, when Gary said that his fail was that he went on his trip, I thought, oh, that could be my win is that I didn't go on my trip. 
positive spin on that, I guess. We, we made the responsible decision and did not try to go. It took me three hours and two minutes on hold to cancel my reservation. And then we haven't seen the refund yet on that. And Kurt's been freaking out because it hasn't shown up on our credit card statement. I'm like, just, it's fine. It's not a problem. So I called like, and I got a hold of this lady and she's like, yeah, she's like, we've actually hired people just to process the refunds, Holy hiring God. people just to process refunds on resorts and rooms and things. That's Maybe crazy. That on my week off. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what they said. There's actually a lot of places that are hiring that have those temporary type jobs. What's really going to be, I think, hardest for our family is by, let's say, May, June, if we cannot get back into any of our summer activities, if we can't do baseball and softball and 4-H and those kinds of things, and they've been stuck at home. Because mm-hmm. normally that happens at the end of the summer when they've been home all summer, that they're just stir crazy. And we're going to be stir crazy by the end of April. We're already there. But I mean, you know, that time frame of now we have double the amount of time of togetherness and without all the extra activities to do. You know, it's funny because every summer we're so busy with kids activities. And I always say, Oh, we just need to do less. I wish we didn't have all these activities. And now when we maybe don't have any of them, I'm like, what am I going to do? But think about it. When you were younger, what did you do? I feel like kids nowadays are so much more active than when we were, when we were younger, like we would just go and explore things or we would play manhunt or we would just hang out at home. I think now, and I'll, I'll give one thing that I appreciate now. I feel like a lot of people are slowing down. Mm-hmm. I would hope to really enjoy the time that they have and understand. And I don't know if everybody's going to really appreciate it right away, but in the end, they'll appreciate the fact that they got the time to spend with the family. Mine are currently building a fort in the middle of the horse pasture. The oldest is six. So let's, I mean, look, we're not going to build the Eiffel Tower by any means, but <laughs> she takes her walkie talkie and like goes traipsing off across <laughs> the horse pasture. She radios, mom, you there? Yes, I am here. Are you okay? I'm fine. Just checking. <laughs> That's so cute. It was windy here, so we flew kites today. Oh. First time the girls got to fly kites. (laughs) We did family fishing this afternoon, which was peaceful for about an hour. And then it was not peaceful because everybody's lines got tangled up and everybody's (laughs) lines got snagged. And then... Your kids are older. They should be able to untangle their own minds. Um, Tyson, the nine-year-old, I don't know what he was doing, but I had to cut his lure and hook off twice. I know Kurt had to do it once. So that was after I sent out that picture about how peaceful and lovely it was. That was like (laughs) 30 minutes later. (laughs) You jinxed yourself. I'm so tired. This is of very stressful. You guys know this. Like, are you like more exhausted now? Mm-hmm. I had a headache for two and a half days, and I'm pretty sure it was just tension. But it, that I've officially was... eaten almost all of the Halloween candy. <laughs> I hate a big thing of cotton candy. Like, oh, I don't like cotton candy. Oh my god, no! I ate the whole thing. <laughs> I don't normally like cotton candy, but in my current stressed state, I eat the. Our household is loading up on a lot of baked goods. Like I made mm. Belgian waffles today. I made Ooh. fudge brownies yesterday. My husband bought another cake mix. So friends, as always, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed some of our conversation in a COVID world. Please also take a listen to the special update that we posted about what these next several weeks may look like for us. Take care and stay healthy.